Welcome to All Things D&D Story Dungeon, where we share amazing Dungeons & Dragons stories with you every two days. Now heading inside the dungeon, we have... Vampire the Masquerade. It's like D&D, but with crack. Hi everyone, All Things D&D is back with another story. In the world of tabletop RPGs, Vampire the Masquerade is probably a close second for me. This is a hilarious example of how ridiculous Vampire can get. I'm a longtime player of tabletop RPGs, but relatively new to DMing and really enjoying it. I have two to three groups where I alternate between DMing and playing. More and more of my social group is getting into tabletop games, especially D&D 5e. My primary group is my flatmate, the Texan, Hogan, and a mutual friend, Hentai Guy, who will be the main characters in this story. The Setting Texan, Hogan, and Hentai Guy, a mutual friend aside, were a bit tired of 5e and want to try running something else. I offer to DM a World of Darkness system, since they're all interested in trying it out. So I decided to run an anarchist homebrew version of Vampire 5th Edition. It had been a while since I played Vampire the Masquerade, and I wanted to see how bad or good 5th Edition was. Run a relatively basic setting, modern age city in the Midwest called Sundown, in the middle of a Camarilla-slash-Anarch territory dispute, City is currently Camarilla-owned, by a prince slowly going insane from torpor. Yeah, yeah, I watch LA by night, it's a great show, sue me. I give my players a slight power boost, so it's not insanely boring. We end up with a Bruja Spanish noble from the 19th century, who poses as an American history professor at the local university, Texan. A gangrel occultist-slash-fortune teller, based on Richard Lael, newly turned and not really changing his lifestyle much, Hogan and a Toreador sniper-slash-mercenary killed in the field, brought back as a loyal Camarilla cleaner-slash-problem solver, hentai guy. The players immediately go from being deadly serious to roasting each other in-game, and out-of-game about their characters. They're given instructions by the voice of the king to take care of a suspected anarch drug dealer. They scope out the house. Hentai guy sets up overwatch on a building next door to have a clear shot. Texan and Hogan both specialize in conversation-slash-charisma checks, decide to start it that way and politely knock on the door. An NPC answers and asks what they're doing here. Senor, we're here to purchase your finest crack. All said in a very authentic accent. Doing my best not to laugh, I try to continue as seriously as I can. You want some crack. See, si, see, si, your most bueno of cracked consumables. I realize that, yes, he's really going to keep doing this. Hogan and Texan enter the crack house and are immediately surrounded by four gangbangers. Hogan rolls a high wits check and notices one of the gangbangers is hiding a pistol in his waistband. This turns into an extended series of deception and manipulate rolls to get more info out of the group and determine who might be a ghoul and or funding them. Hentai guy keeps making checks to maintain his aim on the only armed individual. One failed check later, it looks like a scene out of a John Woo film and the two worsted combat characters are trying to survive a 3v2 beatdown, whilst the armed ghoul sprints up the stairs to shoot at them. Hentai Guy snipes the three goons with mixed results, but can't get a lock on the ghoul. Hogan and Tex head upstairs, almost get sliced in half by the ghoul holding a machete. They manage to fight him off before he reveals the voice is the one who hired him. Hentai Guy panics, decides the best solution is to sprint into the house and start firing his sniper rifle point blank. Practically decapitates the ghoul, sending a shower of ghoul bits all over the party, which results in a group cry of, Oh God, this was my good shirt! The group licks their wounds, gets some sippy from the remaining humans, and loot the place for, and I quote, 
As much crack and ammunition as I can carry, Pendejo. They rig the house to explode, steal the gangbanger's van, and drive off through the bad part of town to escape pursuit. Reconvene at the meeting place with the voice. Surprisingly, they find the sheriff and king are there as well. The king is relatively polite, albeit flat-out insane. Would you like some crack? My man Tex is offering crack to an insane monarch who just let them know he'd killed him if they upset him. Rolls five successes on an etiquette check. The king laughs. Party recaps their events and explains the voice is playing both sides. The voice tries to escape, but the sheriff subdues him and allows the party to decide his fate. Texan's character recognizes the voice from his backstory as one of the kindred that raised his town a hundred plus years ago and asks if he can kill him. The king agrees before having another mental lapse, announces he's calling a blood hunt, and puts a list of twelve names on the table. Says the group amuses him, and he'll let them get a head start on the festivities before inviting them to an Elysium ball in two days, then leaves with the sheriff. Party immediately plays rock, paper, scissors to see who gets to feed on the voice, after hentai guy kneecaps him for trying to escape again. Party drives off in the crack van stuffed full of crack, guns, ammunition, and blood bags to prepare for their next target and drive off into the sunrise. The next night, the party agrees to get a head start on the blood hunt list. They've now got a taste for giving other kindred the sip, and out of game, they're very interested in scoring some disciplines and skills they aren't proficient in. The party pools their resources, backgrounds, contacts, and allies to decipher the list and figure out who's the most prominent and or fastest targets to go for. The list of 12 names includes crime families, politicians, local figures, and even the mayor of the city group. They immediately want to target the mayor, but realize he might be slightly hard to reach. After attending a Professor Texan's night lecture on American history, the party decides to use their skills to break into the university's human resources department and see if any of the names on the list are connected to the university. Hentai Guy and Hogan get accosted by a guard, but between Tex smoothing things over with the guard due to him being faculty and some ridiculous roles, 8 plus dice, they distract the guard long enough for Hentai Guy to sneak in. Hentai Guy boots up the computer and starts blitzing through the names. One match, a professor at the university, last name pros. Tex is immediately unhappy for having to share a feeding ground with some pinche with a name like that. What the hell does he teach, poetry or something? I roll a d20 for the meme. 20. He teaches poetry. Boom. 20. Prose teaches American poetry, specializing in Edgar Allan Poe. Tex immediately insists on taking out this kindred for being on his territory and for teaching poetry. Everyone agrees. He's most likely the same generation as them, but it's worth it to impress the king. They check the schedule. Prose is also teaching tonight and is about to finish. The party splits, Hogan using his fame and persuasive skills to slip into the class and pretend he's a massive fan of the Poe. Tex and Hentai Guy wait in the staff parking lot. Fifteen minutes later, Pros and Hogan exit via a side door and slowly make their way towards the car. Hentai Guy and Tex exit the car, pretending to be on a short tour. Pros and Tex immediately start exchanging some pretty hilarious passive-aggressive comments before Hogan and Hentai Guy sneak attack him with a knife and silenced pistol, stolen from last night's shootout. Pros panics and attempts to fight back, heavily damaging a lamppost with his claws, but gets repeatedly shot and stabbed. Eventually, he goes down. Party quickly shoves Pros into the backseat of his car, and one brief mauling later, we get the exchange of, Oh God, man, you went full Pulp Fiction in there. It's Marvin all over again. Followed by two simultaneous replies of, What's a Pulp Fiction? And we now have Hentai Guy joining the Diablieri squad. Party realizes they've left a bit of a mess. Hogan uses his contacts and allies to call a local group he knows to clean up the mess and dispose of the car.
To clean up, the group decide to immediately head back to their coterie and then go through Prose's looted belongings to find out why he's so important that it warrants the king wanting him dead. One wallet strip later, they find out his address and drive the crack van to Prose's home, an apartment in the basement of a relatively uninhabited area. Group proceeds to loot the place, finding a small mini-fridge of blood bags and a safe containing an encrypted smartphone and laptop. Hogan uses the laptop to find it only has one program installed, a chat that messages saying, Pros, where are you? The group realizes this may be someone else on the list, immediately asking for extraction. Chat silent for a few minutes, before 15 minutes be outside, comes back and the chat closes. Group panics and figures they need to get the jump on these guys. Hentai guy sets up overwatch on the building next door by climbing up the fire escape with his trusty rifle. Hogan and Tex loiter outside the building, pretending to be drug dealers. Fifteen minutes later, a black SUV pulls up. Four security-looking types exit the vehicle. Senor, would you like to buy some crack? Oh god, he's at it again. Goons tell them to get out of here. Tex asks if they're looking for Senor Pros, I presume. The goons immediately pull out guns and demand to know where he is. Ah, I see you've chosen death, amigo. As you wish. Hentai guy starts sniping taking out one and crippling two, before they manage to get to cover. The most awkward shootout erupts, as two vamps with almost zero melee and brawl take on some relatively well-trained humans. Hentai guy pretty much cleans up, with Tex pinning down the apparent leader of the goons, clearly a ghoul who isn't really aware of the whole vamp thing named Tommy. Realizing they've just caused another shootout in less than 24 hours, they sprinkle some crack on the goons' bodies and decide to get out of dodge. The group takes Tommy's phone and split up, two of them taking the SUV, and one following behind in the crack van to get out of there ASAP. Pros' phone begins to ring. Hogan answers. Pros, are you with Tommy? Yes. Silence. Who is this? A mutual friend. Let me give you Tommy. Group charms Tommy into pretending all's okay. I see. Meet me at the hotel 1am. Then the unknown caller promptly hangs up. Tommy explains his client is some political advisor from up north real cloak and dagger type. The group takes Tommy back to the coterie and clean up, stripping the SUV's plates and storing it in a nearby storage unit. Tex pays for. Tex collects a few pistols and stun grenades from the SUV, puts the rest in a box, and puts it in the crack van. Tommy gets bloodbound to Hogan. They send him to sleep before getting all the information they can out of him. They wait till 12.30 then head to the hotel, fanciest one in town, with a penthouse suite, multiple security types lingering outside. Hentai guy scales a billboard a block or two away to get a good view of the penthouse suite. Hogan and Tex keep him muted on a phone, sneak in via the staff entrance, and enter the flat via laundry chute. The chute opens into the suite's bathroom, which is currently empty. Tex decides to lead the charge and throws in a flashbang grenade into the main room. Bang! A few seconds later, they burst through the door, and a raspy voice shouts from behind them, What the actual hell? The group's first interaction with the Nosferatu begins. This guy is dressed up in the most ridiculous white suit. Thanks, Scarface. Buenos noches. Would you like some crack before we engage in hostilities? Ah, damn it, Tex. No, I don't want some crack. You just flashbang me. Where's Pros and who are you? The group tries to lie and convince this Nosferatu they're not here to fight. Hentai guy gets twitchy and shoots. Misses by an inch. Nosferatu rolled insanely high and had a good celerity boost to count. Security starts rushing in, sniper shots ring out, and a very silenced but frantic shootout happens. A flashbang or two later, some good sniping rolls and a cheeky use of obfuscate, and we're left with four dead humans on the ground, and the Nosferatu holding a knife to Hogan's back. 
or more accurately, still in his back. Call down your sniper, I got this youngster like a fish. Perhaps we jump the gun, as the kids say? The group goes through a very tense Mexican standoff, pun intended, as hentai guy gets put on speakerphone as well. Nosferatu introduces himself as an anarch information dealer who helped install pros in the voice to spy on the king and eventually stage a fake assassination to cause a Camarilla revolt. His human cover is an advisor with a real penchant for anonymity, always hides his face with a hood and behind three to four guards to convince the human he's a celebrity or something of the like. You know how much they love drama. Tex accidentally lets slip about the list. Nosferatu panics and eventually offers a deal. Help him at the Elysium Ball tomorrow. There'll be an interesting present for the king. Party pauses for a minute and discusses out of game the benefits of killing him now and staying loyal to the king, or siding with him for now. Party agrees they might be able to kill him, but it's too much of a risk and they could always decide to not betray the king and inform him tomorrow. Nosferatu smiles and lets go of Hogan, saying keep the knife and vanishes. The party agrees it's best to get out before hotel staff show up. Even with this kind of money, they won't ignore that much noise. Slip down the laundry chute, get back into the crack van, and drive away to plot for the ball tomorrow. Tex briefly wonders if the interesting present for the king might just be crack. Thanks for listening to All Things D&D's Story Dungeon. We'd love to have you subscribe and review us on iTunes and Spotify. Until next time!